Hey there, Thomas from Video Mantis. Just wanted to say thank you for clicking play on our podcast. With everything else out there in the world to listen to, we truly appreciate you taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to us. This podcast is all about production sound and how me and my peers operate in the field. I want to encourage you to please share this podcast. By sharing, we hope to help others learn proper recording techniques and practices to help learn what it takes to achieve a quality production soundtrack. We're here to help bring a greater awareness of production sound practices in general and help everyone learn how to record better sound from the very beginning. So thank you again and enjoy the podcast after a few words from our sponsors. With Arrow by K-Tech, K-Tech leveraging their 20-plus years experience as a manufacturer of professional audio accessories to bring audio tools to video and audio productions on a budget. Budget-sensitive students and digital content creators require quality and affordable tools for their production's needs. Aero by K-Tech products are backed by K-Tech's famous after-service and support and have been impressing seasoned pros as well as beginners. Check out Aero's Intro to Booming Kit and all the other Aero by K-Tech products at www.aero.online. That's A-I-R-O dot online. Hey, thanks for listening and enjoy the show. So we'll start again. Sarah Glazer, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you, Thomas? Good. I'm doing amazing. And, you know, one of the things that I want to start out with is I didn't even realize that like <laughs> 10 years ago when I first got into the union, I worked on a show with you. It was in 12 a roundabout years ago. Way. 12 years ago. Yeah, now. we did that in 2007. Holy cow. <laughs> wow. We're, whew, that's crazy. Well, it was a, a show called Black Dynamite. And man, for me, it was one of the first experiences that I had working in the union. It was uh, one of the first day plays that I did I worked with Steve Morantz and it was a a second unit day for you it was actually it was additional photography we'd already wrapped principal photography and it was um, by the end of the shoot and they just want I think it was like three green screen days or something but with pretty much a skeleton crew and and not at full rate and all that sort of thing so you know and it was during the holidays and whatnot from my memory so what's a skeleton crew for anybody in the Sorry. audience that doesn't know what that is because so remember video mantis is obviously for uh sure, you know bridging sure, the gap sure. between students and sure. professionals um so we'd already so th- this was the film black dynamite which mm-hmm. i think we mentioned but um so we'd already shot principal photography which is when you um the meat of it essentially when you're actually shooting it and then um and that's usually where you've got your your full crew um, and additional units if you need them. So that's your full camera crew with your DP, your operator, first AC, your second AC, your loader. This was back, we were shooting film. So <laughs> this was back then. It was film, and I and that film was done on a DAT recorder with two booms and no wires. Wow. So that that was that was back in those days. A DAT recorder. Yeah. yeah. Wow. It was basically a mono mix, man. So that is literally, you know, the production sound mix that is just leveled and EQ'd. You Where? Know, mixed in. Where have we come from? <laughs> Jesus, that's amazing. We, uh, yeah. Like now in 2019, we have all of our ISO tracks and, that and everything the last, else. That uh, was the last time I think we'd done that prior, y- you know, except for some of the exceptions that are still going on today, like like the people that are shooting film, like the Quentin Tarantinos and the Nolan Brothers and all yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but the um, purists, the purists, but they're still wiring and everything. But this was this was debut, and I remember when we did that, it was supposed to be one camera, and then the last minute, they're like, oh, "No, it's two cameras," and I had to get a second flight. <laughs> but like, it was what? like <laughs> it was literally like one of the last 
of that, the old school era. Yeah, um, before and, uh, it transitioned, you know. You know? Sure. Wow. But uh, yeah, no. So they'd 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 been some um, some additional uh, just green screen stuff with the stock footage behind that they wanted to pick up, and uh, so we didn't. Th- we were called for that, but because of certain things we we chose not to 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 do those two days i think it was during the holidays too when we were going out of town or whatnot yeah and um yeah so i guess they got you know steve morans and he brought you in and so you guys did the couple days on that right and uh i didn't even find out who did it till later i just found that's out you funny. were there i yeah, just exactly. did it i had no idea that's so funny know. i would have called you and talked about it you know sure. that's yeah. great but well before th- we get into more about black dynamite because i i can tell we're gonna oh. we're gonna go on this it's, one this is gonna a be a good one film it's absolutely like, literally somebody it, it's the one that you know with everything else on the resume um literally the other day like a director was like Dude, Black Dynamite. Black Dynamite. Not Westworld. Black Dynamite. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm telling you. And Westworld as well. So yeah, we've got like... a lot to talk about. Let's start with just talking about you. How did you get into sound? Let's talk a little bit more mm-hmm. about you so everybody can just, you know, know the Sarah that I know. So I am... Um, my family didn't support, like, music or anything like that, and I always wanted music lessons. They were a sports family, so none of that happened, but then... Um, so I discovered, like, you know, the radio and was listening to things, you know, uh, music late at night. And then I went off to college and <clears throat> uh, started spending my money on music instead of food, as you know, as yeah. you do. <laughs> <laughs> of course, you know. And um, got into bootleg tape trading. And this was, you know, guys, you know, er, this is text-based internet. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was no World Wide Web. There was yeah. no pictures to click on. I mean, we're old. <laughs> yeah. And um, so I would get on the boards and, you know, big fan of the of of the Allman Brothers and a, a lot of the the 70s things and you know vinyl and reading notes and stuff so I was doing my research you know it wasn't research it was just you know following my passion where you're reading liner notes and you go fi- oh you played on this album with these bands and you start tracking all the musicians as you do and then you start tracking what studios they were at and who were the engineers on the albums and then um, Allman Brothers has a very strong fan base a uh, very tight-knit community it's akin to the dead but different um and a lot of them uh are in music and are in recording and so they allman brothers always supported um bootleg uh tape trading because that's how they they, they built their fan base off yeah. tape trading. a lot of the bands early on did and so the bootlegs um somebody taping their show would travel across country and they'd start at fillmore west in san francisco by the time they got to new york everybody knew who they were and they were sold out and that's what happened to Elmer. so they always that's supported amazing. that fan base plus there are certain bands like the dead like the allman brothers and nowadays probably fish and a couple others that are dave matthews was also one that spread through tape trading yep um, everybody had a mixtape of that everybody yep. did because the live shows were so amazing and not everybody could afford to make an album and um, the live, you know, things happen in the studio. Some bands are better and some are just like, no, you need the live experience. Yeah. So uh, in college with music, I started going on these boards and we would seed tape trees is what we'd call them. So you'd get like you'd get the Betty boards, which came out, which is actually one of the female engineers who was in the Grateful Dead camp. Right. And um, her soundboard patches were super clean. And so she would get those out. And all of a sudden there was a fresh injection of Betty boards. And you could get a soundboard patch and a DAT clone, and then you'd use that to seed a tree, and first generation, second generation cloning, and then you would do that. And so you'd get to the people with the best machines and cleans, and so you could, yeah. you know, not have loss in generation. So I'm getting into this world in college, and I'm sitting there on these text-based boards, um, reading everything, and the guys seeding the trees, because they're all guys, um, were... Half of them were engineers who'd worked at Wally Hyder or or Capricorn or Muscle Shoals or wherever, and so they all had stories. They're sitting there shooting the shit 
trading war stories and I'm sitting there <laughs> eavesdropping <laughs> and learning how to align a tape machine from yeah. reading a board. Yeah. And it was just a different world to me and I just, I loved the stories. Um, I loved, I loved all that. I always wanted to be, you know, in the studio so that like when the magic happened, I could just like be there and be a part of it. I was never one who wanted to be, you know, a lot of things. I didn't want to be spotlight and, 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 and on the stage. And I like having like a personal life and stuff like that. So, For sure. <clears throat> um, plus I didn't play an instrument. So <laughs> there's that. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, I was actually, um, thinking about, uh, the was, studio is your instrument. Well, but I didn't know that I was going to be an art major and yeah. I was, uh, going to make posters because I also collected the Fillmore posters. It was going to be, um, uh, rock and roll art posters. Oh, that's, that's what awesome. I was actually thinking of doing. That's so a good side gig, I was by the like, way. I was like, oh, I'll do rock and roll <laughs> art posters as a career. <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> and instead I chose sound. So <laughs> well, you know, yeah, it happens, right? <laughs> you know, you're like, okay, where are we going? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, so a, a friend, a friend of mine was like, all you ever talk about is is music. All my friends, musicians. We were always analyzing the mix. I just still didn't even know this was a career. Mm-hmm. And um, she literally knew of the program at UCLA, the recording engineering one, and took me down there and put the catalog in my hand. And I, you know, left college and went to that in September and I enrolled in the certificate programs for recording engineering music business and songwriting oh great <coughs> thinking that um, I was doing all three simultaneous thinking more so that I'd go in the engineering and producing but I didn't know in songwriting and the first year is all theory yeah. like intro to physics and stuff and like how to route things and I'd never seen a patch bay before so to me this was all like I still had no frame of reference right and then we had a year into it we had our first um, practice class over at Oceanway when it was still Oceanway back then this was before that it split and became Oceanway and Cello and now and you know it's there's studio history here and I think now it's um is it east west no yeah I can't remember I think, I so. think it's east yeah. west now yeah, yeah. and prior to that it was you know United Western recorders and stuff where Gary Boatner came up and uh and and good old Gary he used to assist for a friend of mine Lenny Spent yeah who is actually the first woman to ever have uh, a platinum record you know, you brought up Carrie White's earlier. Who is more surfer-like, Carrie or Gary? They're both really big surfer guys. Like, they both yeah. look like they should live on a beach for the rest of that's their a, lives. That's a tough one. I think they do. They do, definitely. They do. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, Shout out um, to both of you. We absolutely, love you guys. Absolutely, absolutely. So, um, you know, we had our first practice class, and I... And touched a fader went to la la land and it was like oh that's that's the thing that i need more of this is your instrument the yeah. extension of and you and they were like okay tap 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 you know you need to <laughs> yeah. other people in right, class yeah. and i was like okay <laughs> so um <laughs> so then you're sending sending your resume around all the studios you know looking for you get in as a runner you know mm-hmm. that's what you do at that point um you're not going nobody's going in as an engineer when they're you know that green mm-hmm. um and back then you know the uh they did not hire women in the industry. That was the policy. Do not hire women as engineers. They're yeah. You're never going to get in the room. You were hired to um, work part-time at the front desk, answer phones, and, you know, entertain the client, but don't entertain the client, you know. Um, but you weren't getting in the room. And mm-hmm. it's so competitive in the studio world anyway. But yeah. it's just like, so it was just like nobody was calling you because you're female and there's that, you know, stigma. And it's like there were only a handful of, of studio managers at the time who were female. I mean, literally it was like Candace Stewart. It was Siobhan O'Brien. It, it, uh, Candace, um, Kit over at Energy. Uh, Rose at Record Plant. Uh, Jane Scobie at Royal Tone. I mean, there's like five women, you know, and then everything else is male. Yeah. And... Um, you know, the village recorders had hired some women in the 70s, Lenice being one of them, 
Um, but otherwise, it was it was pretty much, you know, nobody's even going to call you. Yeah. And uh, I was kind of hitting a lot of just no responses and uh, um, bumped into one lady in one of my classes and she says, you know, call Bill Dooley. He hires women. So I did. And he did. And uh, Bill, Bill is, you know, uh, he's dead now, but he was amazing. He was, you know, he always, he always, I'm so glad that, that, that he was my first uh, employer because it, it, they couldn't have asked for a better, not only is he just amazing, an amazing set of years and amazingly knowledgeable. I mean, he's the guy that, that when Tom Dowd retired, that they hired. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know this when I went in the interview and I told him I want to be the next Tom Dowd and he hired him. <laughs> I found out later. But Bill, Bill, you know, came to the record plan and all that. And he's just, uh, he was amazing set of years, yeah. amazing set of years, really kind, wonderful guy, great, great knowledge base. Um, and, and I walked in and he said, yeah, I, I've hired women. I've had, you know, women assistants before and, and they're great. And I yeah. think that's great. And he's like, yeah, no, we, we need more of that. And he always treated me like an engineer. And at one point we needed a studio manager and he asked all the guys. And I found out after the fact and we're sitting there and we're, I think we were aligning the tape machine or something like that. And, um, you know, had this feeling. And so I'm like, oh shit, I hope he doesn't want me to volunteer because that's a lot of what you get. Yeah. And I wasn't going to do that. So I just said, you didn't ask me. And he said, no, you're an engineer. And that was the entire conversation. Boom. Drop the mic. Go catch it. it. Don't let it hit the ground. And I'm just like, all right. And just to get that validation from the first person in such a sexist and misogynistic industry um, was incredibly valuable to have from the get-go. Was to have that reinforcement from somebody who is so ensconced and so solid that he just always treated me like that. That it's like, no, Bill said I'm an engineer. Fuck you all. You know, oh, sorry. That's probably going to get blue. No, cheers. (laughs) Cheers to him. Cheers to him building confidence and, and, you know, Honestly, what it comes down to is, I don't care who you are, man or woman, it comes down to the skill set. It's about what do you know, how you work with people. It's it's your professionalism. So get rid of everything else and let's just, just do it the right way. It's 2019, Absolutely. for God's sakes. And it was it was the crazy, it was the it, the most unique intro to, to studio life because it's not like, um, so studio that, that we were at was, was um, Brooklyn Recording. Um, mm-hmm. out here which had been the recording studio for Madonna's Maverick label oh fun and then um, you know she moved the label over to, to Beverly Hills and Freddie DeMann sold the building to Yoshiki who is the mastermind drummer producer from the um, glam band X in Japan not the X punk band but the X band there okay okay he can't he can't open his door and get his newspaper in Japan. It's like he's <laughs> Michael Jackson over there. That's amazing. So, um, so your 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 Japanese and Asian friends from Lanham, your 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 American white friends might not. Yeah, we're gonna have. <laughs> I'm gonna have to look him up. I apologize. Yeah, no, 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 no. So, so he had already bought one on one. Um, it became one on one North, which was the old one on where Metallica did all their stuff in the 80s in North Hollywood. And so he had that studio, and then he bought our studio. And for a year there, we were you know one on one North and South. And then later on, he brought his label ecstasy in and renamed everything but I was I was it was still Brooklyn and that's what the way we know it is but um so I got there and we have an E80 series console and then five weeks later we got another one and we were going to join the two consoles through the monitor section so you can mix from the sweet spot and yeah. rewire the whole room whoa and we were doing it in-house so the first six months of my employment at a studio repatching the whole room was well I, I wasn't doing the Elko pinning Ronnie okay, was doing good. that and stuff <laughs> you're <laughs> like thank nightmare. god <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. one pin wrong it's like you still wake up did I solder that right but I was the smallest so yeah. I could crawl through the hole so literally like there was one rack of outboard gears like no that's mine <laughs> you've got like the hand like come through like here's no, the cable I was <laughs> in it and they were passing the gear into me and you got you know that section full that section then you get this section full and you got like you know four rack space and I'm like skinnying out oh on my, my back gosh, underneath so and it's funny. like they could have just like walled me in there yeah like, alright hey, see you later you know <laughs> what's, what's the 
the cask of Amontillado. Yeah, where they walk. <laughs> yeah, totally. That's hilarious. So yeah, and and um. Yeah, if you didn't understand signal flow, you did after you crawled through. You you Dang know, you're straight. like, yeah, okay, so cable goes from there and then I crawl, and I, so it was it was it was incredibly helpful and then, you know, we started start on session and stuff. So, did that. You and went into the mixing board. I, I <laughs> the bowels. Um, so did all that and then bounced around some other recording studios um after that and played some time at Track Record. How long had, how long was your studio career? I'd say that overall, between studio, I'd say music because okay, it, music, sure. It, just just counting studio, I'd say about five years probably because okay. it was like uh, they did an energy. Uh, no, so I wasn't in energy. Uh, I think there was like a weekend enterprise and then track record and Devonshire, which we were trying to get off the the ground. And you know what I encountered there was a bit of um, poor studio managers. Mm -hmm. <coughs> you know, and that that old Cinco thing. And a lot of us do that. You end up at a studio that's not being run well. You're not getting sessions. Nobody's yeah. getting sessions. It's kind of like the artist is Management's like, why? It's a big thing. It's not just how to hit the buttons. No, it's absolutely. how to operate the, you know, the whole and then, machine. And then you got, you know, people doing recreational activities, which always affects things and whatnot. Yeah. And so, um, that's kind of why I got out of it. Like I started that way and I was like, I just, I need to get out. Yeah. Right I think the last studio that I was at, that that was going on there and you know, just, there were some other things, but whatever. Yeah. Um, and then, um, was trying the freelance bit and, um, you know, uh, as a studio engineer. Yeah, Still, I mean, okay. I, I went, I engineered, I was, and Delaney Bramlett's uh, <laughs> engineered his ranch. If you've ever heard of Delaney and Bonnie and Friends, yeah. um, that's where Eric Clapton learned to sing. Wow. That's what Delaney, is the one who taught him to sing, because he did, um, you know, after, uh, I think Delaney and Bonnie was after he did, um, was it Cream? And then after that, he came out and did that. And then after Delaney and Bonnie was Derek and the Dominoes. And then he started solo and started singing. But um, Delaney, Delaney was attempting to tell me. He's like, yeah, I, I taught Eric how to sing because he wow. was incredibly shy and had all that. And Delaney's like, no, man, get out there. Yeah, so, exactly. You know. So um, so engineered for Delaney Bramlett of his ranch um, for a couple months. And then I got... Delaney's Delaney. He has a reputation. We all know it. It hasn't changed if you start doing recreational stuff and then some of the you know i i was it got to the point i was like look i'm either your engineer i'm not you know and and a lot of the misogyny and and, and sex and where he'd be like i'd be telling him the technical stuff and what what's going on and then he'd turn to the assistant who wasn't an engineer and asked him then it's like i don't know she she knows way more than I do, <laughs> you know, and then he'd call his buddy over at the studio, give him all the rundown. And three days later, he'd come and tell me, oh, it's, he says it's a ghost machine. I'm like, I told you that a week ago, dude. Yeah, you exactly. Know? It was just enough of that. And so, you know, it sort of reached a, reached a, a bit and, um, just an understanding it was time to move on. It was time to move on. Yep. I was like, I, and that's know, okay. It's, it's either I'm engineer, I'm either your engineer or I'm not. So yeah. if I'm not, then it's been lovely. Yeah. I'll see you another time. But, and if we are, then great. Let's do yeah. this, you know? So, so, um, and then, um, and then I got into, uh, this, there was sort of a little bit of overlap here because I was, I was doing both at the same time. And then I was uh, a restoration sound editor for about three years, I think about 2000, 2001, 2003. Awesome. Uh, working on the MGM catalog, um, the, the remastered re-releases. We did a lot of the PAL stuff, um, some of the NC and I was working for Eric Dosh who uh, over at Sound Chamber Mastering, and Eric had come up through Warner Brothers and taught at USC, and he knew Bill because, 
you know, he used to be an SSL tech and stuff. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I went in for the, for the interview and, and he's like, what's your reference? I said, Bill Dooley. He says, you're hired. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> we're done. We're yes, done. You're hired. <laughs> Life's getting easier. You know? you know, so it was, it was, it was great to learn, learn a lot from him. And, you know, the great thing is like coming from the music background, it's my first time working with picture. Yeah. And so I found the picture distracting. So I just stopped watching it and started cleaning up the sound and I made it really clean. I was, you know, I was working on something. It might've been a Pink Panther. Um, so I was really focused on getting Mancini's score really, really clean. Coming yeah. from the music background, I was like, no, this this film to me is just Mancini. I could care less about the film part of it. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so I started cleaning up the scene. It's a, it's a scene, I think, where he, I'm sorry, where he walks in the room and, uh, and puts a glass down. So I clean it up. It sounds great. I play it for Eric. He's like, great. Now let's watch it with the picture. So we watch it with the picture. And then we finish. He's like, okay, put the footsteps back in. And yeah. <laughs> let's work with the picture from here on out. <laughs> too like, funny. Oh, I guess I need that for reference. Oh my gosh, that's too funny. Gosh, well, you know what? God, we've totally skipped <laughs> no, around yeah. and I'm going back to here, but I need to ask you a question yeah. about this because doing restorative sound for older pictures, that's something that you just, I didn't even think about that. Oh yeah, well we, we did Jack, um, Fortune Cookie with Jack Lemon, and uh, you know, Jack, Jack was dead and we were missing dialogue. So what do you do when your actor's dead and, you know, even if he was alive, he couldn't match his voice from like 40 years ago. You put some marbles in your mouth no. or some cotton and you, you got, talk or what do you do? You got two options because a lot of times the, the actor who delivered the poor miss can't, can't recreate their performance because yeah. just your voice changes as you age. Of course. It's just, it's a yeah, given. The, the timbre changes. changes yep. The voice, exactly. all that sort of stuff. And um, so you really have two options. You either hire a mimic or you go through the film looking for all the sounds to piece it together. Oh, wow. Guess which one we did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, they're like, well, you're good enough. You can handle this, right? I, I, I did not do the piecing together. I think, I think, I think Dave did that. But it took, uh, it took him three days. Wow. For one line. For one, one line. One line, two lines, yeah. Crazy. To go through, because you had to not just find the sounds, but find the sounds at the right inflection to deliver the performance and then make it not noticeable. Unreal. So, you know, it's a kind of magic yeah. that we do behind the scenes that yep. nobody has a clue yeah. unless they were there. And now they have those programs that are coming out. I don't know if you've even seen them yet. Adobe has a program yeah. where if you have a script, they have a 20-minute script that you have to read to the program to, like, basically ingest all of your dialogue and into keep it. keep in mind, by the way, yeah. the, the early 2000s, we were doing this on Sonic Solutions because Pro Tools was still buggy. It wasn't. Oh, yeah, wasn't exactly. So Sonic Solution, it's, you know, which was an amazing, like Sonic was like a scalpel and yeah. Pro Tools was more like a mallet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> then. And then, you know, Sonic developed a plugin because Pro Tools, but anyway. Um, but yeah, we did that. So I was, I was doing that and then 9-11 uh, happened and that kind of shut us down mm -hmm. um, because 9-11 happened and then the studios got really... Uh, kind of paranoid about about they were always paranoid about you know theft and 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 black market stuff and whatnot yeah. but 9-11 you know they went from like we're going to send you three to five films a month in three to five languages each to here's one film in one language and nothing for three months yeah and so um 2000 yeah, everybody closed up around those 2003 times. you know like night it was interesting because in in music in 90 end of 98 or beginning 99 that's when a&m closed you know, I think it was 98, they hung the black flag, it was just up the street and everybody was out of business. Wow. Um, and so you were starting to see studios close starting in the late 90s when the, you know, Studio in a Box story came out. And then flash forward to 9-11 and a lot of places, you know, went out of business then too. And we tried to limp along for as long as we did, but literally 2003, 
most of the staff was taking other work and we were collecting unemployment while being employed. And, you yeah. know, props to Eric Dosh and the guys at the studio there because they, um, you know, they, they did their best to keep us on payroll for as long as they could and, and, and keep, even to the extent of not taking a, any pay themselves so that we could be paid and have health insurance and stuff. So those are good, good, good employers. People. They're good, good people. And, and, and Eric's always been an amazing guy. Yeah. Um, that's respect right there. And it, it was to the point that literally, um, I, I went out on tour while being employed. There. <laughs> yeah. So this was, um, my buddy, uh, Lewis McKay, who, um, was a live sound front of house, uh, TM, you know, FOH and TM front of house and tour manager for those that don't do live, Thank uh, you. for, for Al Green. And he'd been with Al for seven years. And so, you know, when they'd come to, um, LA and we met, we met at NAM at the Groove Tubes booth, uh, years ago. Cool. And our RIP to Aspen Pittman, who recently died, who was Groove Tubes. But, um, the uh, so we met at the Groove Tubes booth, and then um, you know whenever they were in LA on the West Coast, um, I'd go join them. So I'd go, you know, they Al's got a show at the Greek. Okay, we'll go, and I'll be at the board with Lewis. Sometimes taking half the board, sometimes just hanging out, you know. And then we go to to I'd join him, go to Vegas. So I'd hit the LA and Vegas and whatnot, and do that. So that year, um, Lewis Lewis wanted to bring me on tour for the whole thing, but it was not paid. It's like, well, I can't come out on a full tour for no money because I, I do have to pay rent. Yeah, like I, I gotta can't, eat, I can't, I can't you know? not yeah. have any, well, no, they'll feed you on tour, but I was like, <laughs> that's true. But, but you gotta eat after if, the tour. But even if my apartment, you know, I was like, and it was, it was a fantastic offer. And I wish that I'd had like, you know, a trust fund or something so I could have taken it, but yeah. it's the reality of life. And granted, I was living in a little studio apartment that was like seven fifty a month, utilities included and stuff, but it was like, oh, I day. was making like probably 1500 a month. So it's like half of it went to my place and half of the other half went to health insurance yeah and i didn't eat yeah exactly <laughs> yeah just, cast in the, was doctor's like you should eat more thanks doc i'll no, work on just, that i was trying to lose weight you know? <laughs> <laughs> so um so i couldn't do that but i was able to join the west coast leg uh-huh. so uh that started here in la in the greek and then we went to to the paris and vegas and then we shot up the coast and i can't tell you because it's a tour so i have no idea what towns i was in i just it was a different venue each night and what's that like by the way like always being in a new venue every single night loading in loading out because you're doing everything i'm assuming well no you got roadies okay you do have roadies that are helping yeah you. i'm not unloading the gear okay I'm, good I'm, I'm engineering so, okay good um so we we would land at the location and then we're, we're checking out making sure everything's there and we weren't traveling with our own backline on this which makes it a lot more difficult so by the way i would say that in the grand scheme of like who's got the hardest job in sound it goes to production sound and after that, it goes to uh, live sound when you're touring without your carrying your backline because you come into wherever it is you're playing that night and you have to use the house gear and you have no idea what that is, no idea who's maintained it, if it's ever been maintained, what your power's like, if yeah. it's sufficient for what your band is playing. You're I mean, blind. You're just, you're just like, holy shit. And then you walk in and like if you walk into the Paris in Vegas, which you think, oh, that's a nice room. Well, that room was acoustically designed for PowerPoint presentation and we're, <laughs> we've got Al Grey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so, not the same. So we landed there, and like we landed there, and and I'm at the board front of house, and Lewis is walking the room, and we're trying to tune to get a sound, and there's like no way. There's yeah. just no way. You're like you're like it's you got you got you know whatever frequency hitting here and hitting there, and you can't tune the room, right. and you're just like there's no way. We're like we, the only thing we can do is make it sound good at front of house, and then of course after the show everybody comes up and tells you you can't mix, and you're like you know what? Yeah, you're like thanks for the memo. I'll <laughs> work on it. I'll try harder next time. <laughs> Thank you so much. Next time, don't buy the cheap seats under the bass trap. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding, Jesus. But um, yeah, so that was really it's um, a cold world, isn't so, it? So we did that, and the and the tour ended at Monterey Jazz Fest where um, which was sold out and Al was headlining and we're doing sound check and uh, Lewis just says you're you're doing monitors tonight 
So I was like, okay, trial by fire, throw you in, and of course it went fine. Yeah. But that's how you do it. You're just like, okay, you're going to do this tonight, and you're either going to do it or you're going to learn something. Yeah, You're going to exactly. learn something either way. You might For learn sure. that you can do it, yeah. which is what I learned. You might learn you can't. You might learn you can't. And then the question is like, okay, what could we do differently? And what did we learn from this? And let's go go back and let's work on this and let's, you know, get you up to speed. And the reason for this was Lewis's plan was to pitch to Al bringing me on as the monitor engineer and uh, train me for a year. And then he was planning to leave because it had been seven years and pass the tour off to me. So we got back from tour and I went back to Sound Chamber and we all got laid off. And uh, I was waiting for the call to move to Memphis. Yeah. And uh, the call came that Al had just decided seven years was time for him to change everything just in his that. organization. Wow. <laughs> so I wasn't moving to Memphis. And that was when I was like, all right, well, I'll, I'll try production sound. Because I could have gone back into into post-studio. Right. But I'd been on graveyard shift for a couple of years. And yeah. I missed people. So I yeah. was like, you know, I, I missed the camaraderie of being on the road with the rest of the band and the tour. And I missed being in the studio with the band and all that. And so I was like, well, let's try production sound, you know, see see how that goes. And if it doesn't, you know, I'll go back to college and, I don't know, be an accountant. What, and I'm not going to be an accountant. But whatever. I'd find something else to <laughs> do. I, yeah, you know. Um, and, and that was, uh, 2003 and 2003 and, uh, it's, uh, still here. So I guess it's working out. Amazing. Yeah. You know what? I want to segue for one second and talk to everyone since we were just talking about your live experiences. Uh, I want to let everyone know that we have a new seminar coming up at Video Mantis, which is called Audio for VR. It's going to be hosted by Ben Adams and it's going to be this month, September 21st and 22nd. Uh, it's going to be in Pasadena. You can find the information on our website. Just go to videomantis.com. It's right on the front homepage banner you can take a look and register for that event it is a paid event but it's two-day workshop you're going to learn everything that you need to know in order to be ben the guy that literally just went to france to do billy ellish's virtual reality sound for her concert and i think he's on a plane coming back so we're going to get him on a mantis discussion to talk about this soon as well but he's going to be hosting this whole event sharing his knowledge and he's even excited because he's got his mentors of virtual reality sound that he's geeking out about I thought he was like the number one guy and he's telling me there's people above him so i'm really excited we all have mentors we all do (laughs) So we got all those people. We would love to see you guys. Please take a look at that event and help support Ben. That's what Video Mantis is about. Getting the mentors that really know and love these special niches of sound and helping to spread the proper education. This type of education you're not going to get in universities. It doesn't exist. This no. is right at the, the fine line of just coming out technology. And these are the guys that are literally doing it day in and day out. So if you want to learn from the masters, you're going to want to look at the audio for virtual reality sound workshop with Ben Adams mentor that's going to be happening this month literally in a couple weeks September 21st and 22nd take a look at our website for more information but continuing on forget about live for a minute (laughs) now we got to get into what we're literally doing because from 2003 until now you're clearly yeah it's it's (laughs) been a minute and one of the things that I want to talk to you mostly is that A lot of people say, like you even said, production sound is the hardest. It is definitely one of the most, um, finicky is probably not the right word, but temperamental and precise sound jobs that are out there. You have to be really good in order to do production sound. And you, with all of your knowledge of studio work and live work, then having to step down to be a utility. What was that like for you? Because It was very hard. Yeah, cause, and there's another thing. Without bashing anybody in our industry, 
there's one thing that I can say is that a lot of production sound mixers, yes, they know how to use their equipment, they know how to use their cart, but when we even look at mixers, I would say maybe about 80% of them don't use a mixer to its full potential. They don't necessarily e use EQs. They may not use the routing capabilities that are inside yeah. of it because we don't necessarily need to. We need to know how to record very good, clean tracks that complement what is happening on the creative side of things. How does all this make you feel? What can you say about all this? It was interesting because coming from... Um studio and even live where you you had to um and at the time i could do this less so now maybe but uh, and then of course technology's changed completely of course yeah we changed the whole industry now it's all digital back yep. then it was still there were still analog consoles on tour and stuff mm -hmm. um, now i think it's all like digico and stuff but um so yeah. if you don't know the board i mean you can learn the board that's that's fine yep. and learn the routing but if you you know if you don't know it it's much harder to walk in exactly if you don't know the theory well, yeah, and it's not just theory, but just like routing and presets and recall and. All, oh yeah, don't go in blind with a digital board. Dante, Jesus. I mean, <laughs> you, 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 um, and I remember seeing that early on. So, I, um, but coming um, studio in live, you know, especially if you were trying to engineer around town, you had to be able to walk into a studio with whatever board and be proficient. Mm -hmm. You know, um, that was. Which at the time it was like Neve and SSL and Trident and all that, so you know it was. Uh, I mean, the, you know, there's there's others and Digico came in or whatever, but, um, but that's that that was part of it. That's how it made you valid. I mean, yes, you know, the assistant comes with the room and they'll they'll be able to help you with like you know what are the particulars about the room, you know, what's patch bay routing, what channels don't work, what's our workaround for that? Like yeah. if you if you work in a in a room that always working like say capital or something you walk into that room or you would back then and you see paper clips everywhere on the, on the board and you're like okay so i want to do this how do i do that and the assistant is the one who knows the workaround because the room's yeah. never down exactly so the room's never down we can't so they don't have time do to maintenance. fix it right exactly and so you know whereas other studios would you know the maintenance happens like at night in between you can't depending what it is in, in between sessions but you need like some time off to really go through everything and you take it apart and whatnot so you there's always the workarounds that go with that but Coming from that, and then uh, in restoration, um, since we were working in the world of Sonic Solutions and, and Linksys was what our digital patch bay was, so I was familiar with that already. And when I came into um, production sound, it was interesting, because the Yamaha was a relatively new board to production sound at the time. Maybe The O&V, right? Yeah, that's the o &V. That's what you're it talking was, about? That was new mm -hmm. to production world. I remember going to seminar about it and um, sitting down with a bunch of other guys in there and they had no idea who I was of course because I was new to them and mm -hmm. they all knew each other because they're all in it in it mm -hmm. and they know whatever mm -hmm. and they're sitting down and 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 the uh, the uh, tech is is giving us the walkthrough for the Yamaha and I think they just they were all working on Coopers yeah you know um, so the just completely different um, Capabilities in the board, exactly, and and, yeah. and things. You know, the, the the Cooper just like yeah, they are just totally different, different beasts. Internal routing and yeah. patching things that you know were never even existed on the Cooper board and never got used. And yeah. so you know, I walk in and I'm like, oh, okay, so it's like Linksys, and I immediately start asking all these questions on routing, and they're all like, <laughs> exactly, yeah, the slow head turn, huh? Who are you? <laughs> well, and Jeff Wexler was there, and he'll tell you he came up to me after the class, and he was like. <laughs> I want to talk to you. Because <laughs> he's and like, then, everything here scared me, and it didn't you. He didn't either. No. He's like, and then and then and then they're like looking, and then and then Don came out and they're like looking me up. He's like, holy shit, you were. It was all indie stuff at the time, but it yeah. was just like, you know, I'm just doing my thing. Anyway, that's how we met. And uh, was that the Philip Palmer O N V thing? 
if I remember right. Maybe not. Phil, maybe not. Phil got a he O1 did V one later, and later. he did he did his group later, which is I don't even know if anybody's on it anymore. But um, this was done at uh, what's the name of that sound place over on? Um, it's in Hollywood. I think it's Seaward or something. But it they basically rent a lot of gear to live sound and touring. So they had the boards and they had the space enough to bring in. Like I think there were maybe ten of us or something. Oh, awesome! Okay. Yeah. And it was just like an intro to the to the O1V8. Yeah. I don't think Phil was running that at the time. Yeah, but it I, might not I, have I been. Know. I think you're right. I, I think you're right. He might have been a little bit might later. Might have been a little later because he yeah. was one of the early adopters on the board as right. well. I mean, there were just you know. Yeah, he took it by storm. Yeah, but then mm-hmm. you know he. He he understood the routing, and he was also utilizing a lot of that because later on he was doing Glee, and you needed that routing. Yeah, you, that yeah, stuff. exactly. So, um, so there are, there are certainly people who who understood and appreciated it, and and as they say, glommed to it straight out of the back. It's like, oh, I know how this works, and then there are Hollywood the Sound Services. Thank you, thank Jeff. you, Jeff. Hi, Jeff. <laughs> how are you? Good to have you on board. So yes, that is exactly that is exactly the place. So yeah, Excellent. that's. That was um, excellent. I think that was the start of technology changing in our in in, in production sound industry. Was that board kind of entering in and people going, "Oh, this is different." Yeah, you know? yeah. It well, I mean that that, that combined with hard that would be like and multi-track. And what what year was that roughly around? You said like two thousand seven ish. Oh no, it was earlier. Earlier, it's like oh three, oh four. Probably 04. Probably 04. Yeah. yeah. Th- that would be like equating like a Tesla to like a Rolls Royce of a Cooper being a Rolls Royce yeah. and an O1V being a Tesla with all yeah. the features it has. You know, doors coming up on its own, you know, a cop avoidance mode. Do you know that they do that, by the way? Not sound related, but whatever. That's good to know. Yeah. <laughs> like liter- they literally have, I'm, this isn't sound, but Tesla's, if, uh, if a police officer is going to like write a ticket because your car is parked illegally, uh-huh. it will evade and just start driving around the block until the cop leaves and then it will repark itself. You know, genius. That's 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 a good kid. <laughs> we, need, we need we need features like help. The ad's coming behind me. Light up. Like I think the Tesla just got a bump in its allowance. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, okay, you didn't do the dishes, but you you yeah. saved me a parking ticket. We're good. <laughs> exactly. So getting back into it, what can you tell me are the biggest differences between live sound and production sound, since you've done both for so long? Well. I- I I mean I didn't do live sound for very long. It was really just that. But you did do it concentrated. Like you've done more than most. That's so. Than most in our industry, I think probably that's true because it's a different world. But you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, one of the other things is that uh, I think one of the main things is that makes production sound more challenging is the camera. Like the fact that it's even there. <laughs> okay, <laughs> can just, we just get rid just, of that? Just can we just go back to talking? The fact that we have a camera that dictates where we can put a microphone makes production sound the hardest thing. <laughs> the uh. fact that they're like, no, the cameras go here. It's a wide shot. You know, you're booming. The boom's got to be up in the tree there. And by the way, we've got some fog machines. They're right there, and there's a red. You're like, you know what? <laughs> I don't have a camera in live sound. That you try, try. Yeah. We we would have studio where they come into the studio, take a shots or behind the scenes of the of the, of the band, and like, oh, you know, that mic's in my shop. We, no, don't you dare touch a single microphone that's right there and that's that's the that's the snare sound you don't you, nah, eh, eh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can shoot around everything but you don't get to touch or move any microphone because it's all about the sound in the studio in live i mean come on yeah try telling yeah try, try telling arianda grande's camp you know we got to move that microphone i want to like, see no, the no, no, drummer no. better yeah. can you move this <laughs> off of the timpani yeah yeah well and, and you know it's like i mean you know, there's like, and, and then the live things like postmodern jukebox and stuff. It's like, well, okay, you've got a camera thing, but at the end of the day, we're giving a performance. Yeah. And the performance is the sound. Yeah. And and the band wants their 
fans to experience that and have the best sound they want to be represented. Yes. They're like, we don't want to sound like shit. Yeah. So really, in all of those other areas, sound sound is king. So Absolutely. the hardest part was coming to production sound. We were like, nobody no, cares about me anymore. And you're like, I'm like, no, you can't do that. And DP's like, who are you? <laughs> Too funny. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, that was an interesting, you know, little, little rude yeah. awakening. Yeah, yeah, you know, you brought up a really good point because like, it, it definitely comes down to capturing the performance. And I think that yeah. there is something that happens with, with some people, with respect, where the engineering side of thing takes over and becomes more of an importance factor in the conscious of their mind than the actual what's in front, the performance, right. the capturing of the scene. And you can't have that. The scene. Because, you know, at the end of the yeah. day, and this is something that shares with music, is that at the end of the day, you know, our, our job, in my, my world, the way I look at it, my yeah. theory, my philosophy, it's my job is to capture, protect, and preserve the performance. It doesn't matter if that's live band on a stage. doesn't matter if it's a band in a studio. doesn't matter if we're doing, you know, a film shoot, uh, theater, episodic, whatever. Um, you're there for the performance. Yeah. And you have to capture that as truly as you can without inhibiting it. And so at the end of the day, vibe is huge, man. Yeah. If you are harshing on anybody's vibe, that affects the performance. Ooh, just it just brings the energy just, of a no, set down. You're, you just, you can't. Yep. And, um, you know, on set, actors have so much going on. You know, the director has so much. Everybody's got so much going on and you're not part of it. You've got so much going on. Yeah. But your stuff that's going on is not their stuff that's going exactly. on. Exactly. And they are barely handling their stuff. So <laughs> the last thing they want is your stuff on yeah. top of their stuff. So, you know, it's like, all right, well, how can how can we make this work to get the performance? And then it depends on who are you working with, right. you know, and what can they what can they do? And I will say that I think that it's fantastic when you have theater actors because they, to oh. my mind, they're capable of yes. so much more than, say, just screen actors. Just because you can cut and go again doesn't mean that you should not work on your trade, know your lines. Right. And be able to work with your actors. And this is where I think it gets down to understanding of the craft, whichever craft yeah. is yours, um, and and whatever that is. And it's like, okay, if I, I need to be able to give you a note, or the director needs to be able to give you a note. whoever's giving the notes needs to be able to give you a note. And um, sometimes that note that note is, uh, can you work on your diction? Can you can you enunciate? You're mumbling. Yes. yes. Um, can you just be a little hitting my mic can you can you be can you not hit your can mic you project kidding. yeah yeah can you not can you not hit your mic <laughs> you know I was like i know you want to pound your chest but we yeah. have a mic there and it's a wide shot right like, exactly. dp won't let us get it can you can you you know and maybe anytime you, you tell an actress not or an actor not to touch their mic they're going to touch you it know, have the, you noticed the that? beauty the beauty of of production sound is um that most likely you're going to cover cover this yeah so if you don't get it in one Hopefully, you know, there's another shot that's tighter. You got to boom up there. Don't worry about not. Don't worry about the master, man. Ma master never plays mm -hmm. for like it's entrances, exits. And you yeah. know, you there might be two or three directors where, you know, you got to get it like a Quentin yeah. Tarantino movie or uh, Inception. Christopher, Chris Nolan. Christopher Nolan, you know, you got to be getting all those shots, including the wide. But the difference being, you know, I haven't worked with Chris, but worked with Jonah Nolan. OK, because um, he was a master. But the difference being is that um, there is an understanding. Of I mean, Westworld, you know, that's still film. Yeah. So, you know, we, we, 
we make sure it's right. You know, most of the time we've got the time to do it. And then if we start rolling and something's not working, we cut and we go again. And we're not only cutting from, I mean, we get film jams, especially if you're shooting a Western. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that, that's the other thing is like you get in the conversation with the camera department at lunch about the lore being lost. And I know all the old timers <laughs> are going to love this because you're sitting there like we're working with film, but nobody knows how to prep the camera, clean it. Isn't or you that go funny? Like, yeah. You know, can you, can you, um, is it a lost art? Are we losing that technique? Because well, that's we, one it, thing it that Video Mantis is trying to do is to not yeah. have these techniques be lost. Well, yeah, that film one has to, as well as the two. And in fact, this this is also a conversation. Um, I've mentioned Lenise already, but Lenise mm -hmm. uh, Ben is working with Sound Girls, and she just did a class um, teaching how to align a two-inch tape machine. Yeah. Um, which nobody has a kids don't know how to what's do a two-inch tape machine exactly and so you know all these amazing machines and i mean a studer 800 mark three or and you know whatever it's just 827 the beautiful machines yeah i mean you know you, the, you guys can talk about your noggers and your coopers to me it's like you know yeah. an e you an see a 500 <laughs> two-track machine it's, it's beautiful like, you know fairchild you know yeah. the upward gear it's like oh man i mean they're yeah. they're finicky yeah and they they need to be massaged right yeah. but oh my god they sound Gotta amazing give them some love and um <laughs> So, you know, Lenise's theory is you got all these machines just sitting around town. She's like, you know, you think people would use them if they knew how to use them, maybe. Right. You know, but and then there's there's interesting part because, you know, my partner's a music producer and engineer. And, you know, jumping into other studios and talking with other studio managers. And they were at the Lair recently. Mm -hmm. Shout out to Larry at the Lair. And... Um, they come in and they bring their laptop with Pro Tools and they set it down on the Neve console and they never even go through the board. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, they don't even know. And they'll Get break this off of that board. Break knobs and stuff. And Blasphemy. You're like, <laughs> and, and, and you're like, you're like, you got this studio full of all this amazing, you know, analog yeah. gear that sounds so good. And you come with a laptop with Pro Tools. But I got like, a plug-in in here. <laughs> Check it out what I can do. And you know, like, yeah, like, come man. on now. No. And so, <laughs> yeah, I think there's got to be something. So, I mean, technology changes and we've got new ways of doing things and stuff, but there are there are sounds that happen when tubes contract and expand yeah. and heat up and you can fry an egg on them that, you know, plug-in may not have that variable. And you said something to me on the phone last night. I was so happy that we kind of had a pre-meeting. I got to start doing that more. Oh. Um, one of the things that you brought up that was just so fascinating, it was a different perspective uh, for me, was I'm intimidated by the fact that technology is getting so good and so cheap that everyone else is coming up. So, th you know, it's like every other day there's like 500 new sound mixers that buy a kit and you're just like, and you know what? When you see all this happening online, the fear raises in anyone. So it's it, it takes a while to like, you know, control that type of feeling. But what you told me on the phone was it doesn't matter about the technology. It matters about yeah. just being the professional that you are and, and, and harnessing your trade and learning more and becoming the professional that yeah. quite frankly is, is better than the rest. There's a, there's a saying we all have is like, it's, 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 it's never the tool. It's always the fool. So you're Ooh, like, you can, like you can, that. you can, you can go out. It doesn't matter. You can walk into, uh, whatever the situation is, whether, how how that situation is resolved is entirely going to be um, dependent on who's the engineer, what their skill set is, and what they're capable of doing, and how they roll with punches and adapt to the situations at hand. Um, so, again, it comes down to to knowledge and flow and thinking outside the box. You yeah. You know the 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 thing that I mentioned last night because they weren't part of our conversation last night mm. so we'll share I was secretly taping it no I'm kidding <laughs> it'll be yeah. it'll be the, 
the the mantis underground yeah right <laughs> can i keep that that's yeah, great sure, man. i Take like it. That. mantis underground shoot the prep days <laughs> love it um is that you know i i i'd seen some of this happening in music mm. and, and coming from music i'd seen it happening prior so i wasn't surprised when it started happening in film as I, I'd seen similar, and that was when you know, Pro Tools started getting less bugging coming out, and people started getting studios and boxes and trying to make albums at home, and uh, studios and the old model were closing. Less money was being put into it. Um, the labels were like, oh, we can save money by not developing an artist. We'll just buy the album that you made in your bedroom, yeah. put it out there. You've probably been working on it in 20, for 20 years, so it's probably the best thing you'll ever do. <laughs> and we'll put it out. We'll make some money off of that. And yeah. then, you know, y you might get a second album, might not, but you got a lot of one-hit wonders at that point. And then, um, and the development of artists, of the artists, and the development of the music, and pr producing, and the grooming, and all that kind of went out the wayside. The and grooming, even that. The grooming is huge. Yeah. Huge. Um, and then, um, so you see a lot of meh music come out and the, yeah. the bar drops, consumers buy it anyway. So the label's like, oh, they don't care. So we'll just keep putting that out there. Right. So what you got was a lot of people who suddenly had access that wouldn't have access before. And that's not a bad thing. No. The part that's challenging is, is that it's just more people who are learning having access. And so you get a lot more stuff you have to go through. Um, to find the cream of the crop, so they yeah. say. So, you know, you used to be the cream, the cream will always rise. Yeah. Um, so this is accessibility and it might get, you know, the accessibility might get into the hands of somebody who might not otherwise have it, who is one of those uh, geniuses, who is the next, you know, Quincy Jones or whomever. Um, but you're going to have to wade through everybody who's not first and there's going to be so much more of them. And so I think when I saw that happening as film, you know, started cycling out and as, you know, the digital cameras started coming in is the same thing. Digital cameras were much cheaper. They were more accessible to everybody. They're their own set of challenges that we need to work with. But all of a sudden the camera's in everybody's hands and then sound equipment followed. And so everybody can make a film now. Now, whether it's good, whether they're learning all the lessons on set that they might have, you know, learned had they been, you know, they're still learning them, hopefully. Yeah. But um, it's the same thing. You get a lot more content of all different quality levels and, and um, you still have to wade through it to find the gems. But what's going to save us at the end of the day are our unions, because at the end of the day, you're you're. A-list producers and directors, they've learned their craft. They've come up and yeah. they want to only work with the people who have mastered their craft or who have the same value of craft mm. that they do. Mm. Same and vision and value. Value and respect and be like, okay, how are we going to do this? They don't, they, they, they've already learned how to make a film in school where they had to cut corners because of budget and because something didn't work. And they're like, well, we know how to do that. Right. We don't want to do that. We want to do this. And that's where the unions are going to protect us because all those filmmakers only want to do union films for the same reasons that we all do because the pay is better, because we get benefits, because you get a certain level of quality crew. I don't want to say that it forces the production to take care of you, but it, 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 it helps to make sure that they're taking care of it you and, and make sure that the whole family is just looking out for each other, which and is then, what it should be. And you've got, you know, you've got all different types of union contracts. You'll find you know, you'll, you'll end up where you end up and you'll work to whatever level you end up working at. And, and that's, that's the same kind of thing. And budgets dictate that too. But I mean, for yeah. years I had a filmmaker friend who we would, we would, we would get, uh, into heated discussions. Um, usually, usually after a couple of years, because, um, 
I was very pro-union and he was not. Because as the filmmaker side, he wanted to just raise whatever money he needed for his film and pay his crew whatever he could pay them and this should be okay. And I was coming from the union where I'm like, no man, because I want my health insurance, I, I've got to want to pay my bills, I want to be able to put my, yeah. you know, have kids put them yeah. through all the things when they're when they're the cutting things. our line on our services and our rates all the time right. like oh uh, you know what that wireless system can't you just throw that in for free no you can't now you want us to pay for our health care too right and so all, all, that all of that bit yeah um we would get into heated discussions about that and right. then uh and then he worked for long enough he eventually had to join the tga and the pga and start doing in film and now now all he wants to do, he wants all his films union because now he's getting the benefits. Yeah, exactly. Now he's understanding. But he didn't understand them because he hadn't had them. And so we have this, this it's almost like a cloak between the union and non-union world where there's a, a less understanding. And I always tell people, I remember when I, when I got in, the first thing I did coming from music where there were no unions, like the yeah. first thing I did is like, get me into the union as soon as possible. Right. How many days do I need? What do I need? Yeah, and I want in. I want that protection. I, think, I want my I family. Think, I think Sheraton Toyota does a seminar on it now, but back then. He does. Then, I've been talking to him to try to get it under yeah. under Video Mantis. We're, we're working back on then, it. Back then, I did to. all the research, called contract services. I had a whole yeah. form letter with all the things and got that through and everything. It's not and easy to do. It's no. a very confusing process. Well, in contract services, they they yanked me around for six months i had to yeah. think how to say that that you wouldn't bleep it out <laughs> yeah well no it's okay i mean yeah but literally like they were they i, I had all my days way more than i needed and yeah. then they they wanted the canceled checks from the bank mm -hmm. so i had to go get all the canceled checks from the bank to show that they'd really yeah. you know and and give them that for like six months and then i just kept sending more and more in more and more in more and more in and i think after six months they're just like okay fine whatever just let her in yeah and uh, and then you just you go you know you go down and write, write a check to the, the union but it's like get in as soon as you can Mm -hmm. because um, one any any days you work automatically go to your retirement health care and everything like that which a lot of people don't realize that starts from day one whether you're you know working you never lose yeah, those. exactly so just start start yeah. soon even if you're not getting a lot of union work at first which a lot of us didn't yeah, in fact but Sarah, it's it's expensive it is so so what do you say to the people that are just starting that are like well yeah but you're, you're I mean how am I gonna eat you I know, know what's what well, do you I'm say to that I'm not saying stop with your you know whatever you've been please working eat on. yeah please, please eat. eat like if you've got a steady if you've got a steady career in the non-union keep taking your work yeah because working hones your skills in fact the unions don't care no. if you work non-union that's one thing that I think a lot of people don't understand no. they think oh my god if I work non-union I better be quiet it better be video man just no, underground no, 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 no. because, because there, if not there, I'm gonna get in are, trouble there are plenty of non-union shoots that are never going to be union uh oh don't have a signal. Uh, everyone, if you could just let us know if we're okay. It's. I think we're still live here. Uh, I'm going to do... Keep talking for a second. I'm just going to go behind the computer. We're doing a live session yeah. today, everyone. Um, and obviously the computer's uh, working hard for us. Yeah, we're good. Yeah, you know what? I think it was just a buffer underrun right over here. Basically, if the, the kilobits goes like up above five, but but watch the, uh, that. If it starts blinking red with an X, that's really bad. <laughs> we're not at the blinky yeah. red X yet. Okay. We're just at the sometimes red X. This is whatever. This is a this is a bit where it's a little a little trivia story. There was a there's an instrument years ago called the Mellotron, which mm -hmm. was early sampler. It's basically long loops of tape, two-inch tape, with sound, what we would call sound effects, but what we would call sampled sampled instruments at the time. Yeah. And um, Beatles used it on Sgt. Peppers, but it's a temperamental machine. It always tangled and stuff, so nobody could tour with it except for the Moody Blues. Mm -hmm. And that was because one of the members had actually worked at the Mellotron factory. <laughs> 
filming this. So there's a funny story where um, it probably wasn't funny at the time. It's funny now, you know, all these years later. But the Moody Blues were playing at in Fillmore West for Bill Graham, who was Bill Graham. If you don't know what he's like, you can easily Google it. <laughs> <laughs> and and the Melaton broke down. And so uh, the story is that, that Bill was playing Bugs Bunny cartoons on the screen projection screen behind him to all the everybody was probably on acid or you know, <laughs> Bugs Bunny cartoons while they were like how to fix a Mellotron with a coat hanger and a flashlight and a screwdriver <laughs> in 20 minutes sounds like so a YouTube next time video we, next time we have technical difficulties yeah, no we'll have Bugs Bunny up here yeah, we'll do a vault talk with that <laughs> yeah That's no, crazy. Um, but the, the the thing is is also is like when we got in the union you and I there were not all these contracts that extended down to the lower like, all these I know that new so the digital media, right, the, the, the new, media new media contracts. I know we call them the tier one and the tier zero. Those contracts didn't exist mm -hmm. uh, when we got in. So it was literally either you were high level union or you you're not you're not union. Yeah. So it was like you're in the club you're or you're not. If you're below the budget, you're not. But you still had to have the card because somebody sometime might call you and say like, "Hey, can you come in for a day?" And um, and actually, Jeff Wexler was the first one to call me in, mm -hmm. and that was back I think on Mama's Boy. I came in for playback on them. Um, and then, uh, you know, Robert Maxfield's mom was ill and, and I came in and covered for the last, I think it was week, week and a half of mm -hmm. the shoot as the utility because he had to fly back east. So that was my first time working with Jeff and Don. And interestingly enough, that was the um, shoot where they were um, demoing the cement. Oh wow! That was that was how far back that was the when they, they were the first ones you. to have it. Do you remember <laughs> when they came out? There's a first blue time I heard mic, it. Everybody. We were we were doing it was the playback day that we'd done at that club. Jeff, you're, if you're still listening. You'll probably remember the name of it. And then we went to that little park, and um, and our our, our cast Jeff and uh, Jeff and Diane. I think we did the bit. They were on the horses and walking through, riding the horses through the park wherever we were. Mm -hmm. Just remember that bit. And that's when they pulled out the cement, and I got to listen to it for this time. And we're spraying it, and I could hear the roll off and the difference. And prior to that, it was like you know, the old school mics. Four sixteens, yeah, four sixteens, and, and MKHs and, and Neumanns, and the CMC five, which yep. is what they were using with the forty one on it. Or six, oh yeah, he depending. was a big Shep's yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeff, so, we're talking yeah. about Jeff Wexler. Um, so, um, so that was the first time I heard that, but you know, the difference being is that later on we, we got these contracts that extended down into lower budgets and made those union, uh, the, made those shoots union. And the benefit of those, I know, look, I know there are a lot of us that don't like working on them. I'm not going to say that I do because I think, you know, but what they gave us is they got a lot of people who were getting caught in that in between and they gave them the opportunity to make health hours. Nice. And you could, you know, the, the rates were low. You yeah, know, that's um, that's what it was. Low, You're right. And 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 I think the tier zero is what minimum wage you negotiate what you can get. I don't even know. But you are getting health care. Mm -hmm. And that that was a stopgap that a lot of us needed. Um, and so, you know, I, I don't think that's where I, I, the purpose of those of those contracts wasn't to create a new um, realm of film which yeah. is, is ultimately what happened, um, that low-budget realm. But that low-budget realm always existed. You yeah. know, it was Corman. It was it, it was Asylum back in the day. Um, right. You know, and they were just exploitive filmmakers um, who would just, like, not pay you. Um, so this, at least, the union can fight for your pay, and you can get health care, and you're getting a wage. It may not be what you want, but it fills in the gaps. Or it's that place where you can learn, but now you're learning on a union set yep. rather than 
you know, in the non-union world. And then eventually, you know, the point is... Which is a better place to learn because everybody's right. kind of a little bit more on top of their stuff. Not only that, I mean, even you know? when it's like their first union film and they're not, but there are still guidelines that they have to follow for IATSE yeah. and for DGA and for PGA. And there's there's things that you can do to protect yourself if you're getting harassed or if you're not getting paid. If they start to explode, you have recourse. You yeah. don't have that in the non-union Exactly. World. So... Yeah, you just kind of get thrown into the crosshairs yeah. or so thrown out like, of the bus. Okay, um, uh, so I'm a big proponent because the union you know we're we're strength in numbers and and you know it's it's whatever you put into it you know yeah. so i also run my hoa and it's like you know one of the biggest things on an hoa it's commitment to the union is apathy of the members and so um the more involved you get and the more you tell you go and you're like this is what i what we need and then you you get that going then it's a better representation of you but it's really you know you have to be involved or you have to communicate that. Go to the meetings and then yeah. meet people and stuff. And the sooner you get in the union, the sooner you start going to meetings, the sooner you meet Ask people. Ask not you what your mentor. union can do for you. Ask what you can do for your union. Well, and also the thing is if you're staying in the non-union world, nobody in the union world knows you. Yeah. And so we can't, we don't know, if we don't know you, we can't be like, oh, you're really cool and I like you and I've got in. school. So, okay, hey, I've got a day where I need an additional. Let's get you, you know. Yeah, you let's see how you work out. Come let's on throw down you and into the fire. Us. Come visit us on set. We can't get you on paper, whatever. And mm-hmm. you, like, that's, you kind of have to stalk the people you want to mentor you. Absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, Absolutely. You, know, sounds, you always have to reach yeah, out. You, you know, gotta, what? And, and maybe somebody's going to say no, but somebody's going to say yes. You know what? Right. Sound mixers are not. Some of them are assholes. Yeah. Not all of them are assholes. There's, Actually, there's a lot of them aren't assholes, right. to be honest. And I can't tell you. I mean, God, I could probably name off 10 or 20. I'm not going to right now, but that would be like, heck, yeah. Come yeah. on by and let's talk. Some mixers love to talk. So, because nobody ever listens to us. Exactly. <laughs> Except other sound <laughs> people. So we're like, yay. Boom. I'm, Which is why me. this is a great thing. This <laughs> Mantis this is discussion yeah. is, is about, um, you know, getting our words out and, and making say, it known. I will say that um, this is something sound people across the board, um, we mentor, we share, we we have yes. tons of war stories and I mean not just production sound I see it in live I see it in studio yeah. you know we have a weekly run- lunch and you're like I'm sitting at the table with other sound people in the music world and yeah. it's like these are my heroes yeah. you know these are the people that's like I, I would love to be one day like I'm not <laughs> but I just I dream um, you know like I mean it's like the Jeff Emmerichs and the Al Schmitz and yeah. <laughs> you're like you're like I can't I can't believe I'm sitting at the table next to you because yeah. you are um like, you know, you listen to the albums, you watch movies so yeah. many times, and you're like, How and then you're there. Genius. And then, and then you're at the tail, and you're like, I don't know that I, like, feel like I belong. You know, yeah. It's a thing that we all do, because yep. everybody does we're it. constantly everybody seeking does it. to, you know, approval. or at least I am. Not, not approval, but seeking, seeking to work on our craft and get mm. better. Mm-hmm. And you're like, you know, and at the end of the day, it's like, oh... I never heard my sound that way. Oh my God, is my hearing all messed up? Like, should I just stop mixing because I didn't hear? Is it the room? Is it my headphones? Is it this? Am I just a bad? And we go through that because we're constantly, Mm -hmm. you know, some of us do, some of us don't. I don't know. I do. Um, Where you know, I think the good ones do. Yeah, and you have to be self-subjective and and to to ask yourself those questions. You don't grow if you don't. No, and it's it's like you know, it doesn't matter how many years you've been doing it. Like the night before I start a shoot, I never sleep. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just yeah. like you prepping, oh God, no. you're going through, you like, you've, I've prepped everything for the twice. past week. It's, it's on the truck. There's nothing I can do about it. Did I miss something? Yeah, exactly. You know, what am I going to do? Did I plug in the aux cable? Huh? And it doesn't matter how many use it. That, that, that doesn't change for some of us, you know? Yep. It's, it's like, 
because you're and you're you're constantly and then you're 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 at work or you're doing your thing and then you're like oh we could do this and you go home and you start tweaking something else and on the yep. weekends you're still working and it's you're on when you're on the show yep. there's no real off time yeah you're right you know, you're right because you're 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 always it's like so heavy it, yeah you're just like two or three months or however long the show is or the feet that yeah. was the feature but whatever it's like you're just and then there's like the ha- filmmaking is immersive yeah it's so when you're on a show and 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 <clears> it's all so much prep because yeah. once you're on set you're like okay the train has left the station we're just trying to keep it on the track and <laughs> so it doesn't <laughs> fall off <laughs> meanwhile it's taking corners at like you know 200 miles an hour and you're like yep. <laughs> you yeah know? i have a i have a really good quote from a good friend of mine uh eric at cannibal industries uh-huh. uh, eric blue uh he says an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure so and much. God, I, I try to say that every day. And the thing is, is like you prep for all the information, you know, but invariably you get to set. Oh, There's by the way, changes. we're going to do this. You're like, something's always going to change. Noted. <laughs> yep. And, and that's the difference between a professional and a not professional. Right. The, the non-professionals, they it. go, what? And they get, oh, well, you didn't talk to me about that. We didn't have a phone call about it. No, I'm not doing that. And, yeah. and they get all worked up and it's like, Dude, you are no longer a filmmaker. No. You are now being a problem, and they don't want you. <laughs> they don't want you around. They, you need they, to be part of the solution, not the problem. Film crews, it's like all these, all these different units. You know, camera, sound, grip, electric, everything, and they all—they're like little pods. They go off and they do their thing. They work cohesively together. Yeah. Especially when they work yeah. well. Yeah. <laughs> But they're supposed when to be off, and it's well. sort of like little military <laughs> units that, you know, go, oh, okay, we're going to send you out there. You're, you're special ops. You're going to do this. You're this. And then you're going to come back, and then we're going to information we want to take, and we're going to do something. But meanwhile, we're going to send you off. Yeah. You have to be autonomous. You have to Ready, do your Regroup. Yeah. You're like, whee! <laughs> <laughs> it's like a virus attacking yeah. the body. A plague. <laughs> you go after the blight <laughs> cells. I'll go after the red <laughs> And we'll kill them in the end. Yeah. Um, and you can write that script, too. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Sure, that's a horror film Blumhouse will make. Sounds like a Pixar <laughs> movie in the making, you know? Right. Probably, yeah, <laughs> inside out. <laughs> inside out, yeah. Um, but it's like, at the end of the day, it's like, um, you got to be able to roll with it, yeah. you know, and, 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 and adapt, because adapt. that's, that's, that is the job, really. It's, 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 you, they, we, we get paid and hired and brought on based on whether or not they like us and what we know, and you pay for me, we, me for what you know, and you hope I don't have to use it all. Yeah, but exactly. But at the end, you, you invariably do, but it's like, you, you show up like, oh, now we have three cameras, or, oh, now we, oh, that camera's going to be up there, we're going to be down, oh, so the whole plan, we, okay, that's not going to yeah. work, okay. <laughs> Everything right, we just so did what, for 30 minutes, what, okay. <laughs> what, what do we, what do we, uh, what do we have that we can, um, make this work yep exactly and then then you do that quick thinking and then you make it work for the moment and then um hopefully it works for everything and if it works and everybody likes it you're like okay we're good and then you know you can bring in more the next day but it's it's constantly uh, evolving adapting and learning and just thinking outside the box and that's that's the challenge question time for you and really quickly Lindsay castro says hi sarah hi all right. Guys, if you have any questions at home, please let us know. We're talking to Sarah Evans right now, having a Mantis discussion. We'd love to get your feedback and your questions as well. Love to have you a part of the conversation. One of the questions I have is, what would you say is the path to becoming um, a mixer? Is it different for men and women? I'd love to be able to say that the path is not different. Okay. Um, this is a Mantis discussion. These topics get kind of tough sometimes. Um and I think that the path is changing. I, I will say, years ago, maybe 2003, 2004, I think it was, um, we had a ladies in sound lunch over at Peggy Names' house. Um, Peggy Names. And, and there were a lot of 
women there when we went around the group and we're talking about how we all got into sound and years later um, talking with Susan Morchong um, she reminded me she's like you know one of the things I noted that day was all of the women who got into sound got into it because their boyfriends were mixers and they basically brought them on set and hired them except for Susan and myself interesting and that was that was, I guess, how it happened back then. And there are a lot of reasons that that could be, um, was the case. Um, and a lot of it has to do with like, look, our union was incredibly racist and incredibly male back then. There were not, I mean, I think Sunny Meyer was the first, and I don't know what year she joined, but she was the first. But that also goes more to, you could talk about the sociological um, support and empowerment for women in engineering and science and math and the fact that like you know nobody bought me a four track to play with as a kid yeah you know mm -hmm. <laughs> i got dolls so yeah. <laughs> which i didn't care about <laughs> <laughs> so you know where where it's like you know y you look at that enrichment as it comes up and you know the the women that are drawn to that will still do that now i think that that has started to change with yeah. the women with the children of the 70s which you know i'm on but it's like and and later it's like there's more empowerment and education enrichment and excess for for women then so there's that part of it and then there's just like the whole 50s 60s 70s mindset of like, you know women getting married staying at home popping out kids not working and all that so you know times are changing who's getting yeah. in and how and that is a amazingly wonderful thing and i'm so happy that that's happening because um Dude, we have like, I can think of my top of maybe eight mixers that are female in our union. Right. And maybe three female boom ops. Mm -hmm. and a handful of utilities, maybe. A handful maybe. of utilities. And by the way, it's, I can't think of <laughs> any. Sorry, Tree. <laughs> as far as I know, we don't have any Asian mixers, male or female, mm -hmm. in our union. I can think of two Asian boom ops um, in our union. Um, we have, what, three African American mixers in our union and four okay four um sorry if i don't know you i only know who i know so far and, and then there's like i think five um african-american boom ops in our union yeah um the numbers are horrifying yeah and by the way those are all men on the african-american and asian they're all men so um you know how do we change these numbers better how we do have we to recruit we have to we recruit straight up have to recruit mm -hmm. and um i noticed this uh a few years back we need to get more wives into sound i'm kidding that was a bad joke no we mm -hmm. need to enrich and men you know, for a long time, people hire who they know, who looks like them, and who they like. Yeah. You have to step outside of your comfort box. And on top of that, a lot of the guys, there are a lot of good guys, I've been mentored by a lot of guys. I have a lot of great male sound effects, but there are a lot of guys out there who just, you cannot work with women. You just, <laughs> you don't have the skills. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been in, in some incredibly toxic and misogynistic um, work experiences over you the know, years. You know, honestly, I, I have too, to yeah. be honest, even even as a man, regardless and of the, the, the men and women. Part of the culture, I think coming up from the filmmaking and I, we've all heard the stories from the guys coming up in the 70s where they talk about getting in fights with the dp and you know it's sort of gets into oh that yeah it was bigger than yours. dog eat dog you got to pull your fists out and fight and and it created sort of an abusive hazing yes it did um mentoring thing where it's like yeah. oh no okay so you just throw everything on the utility and it's mm -hmm. like you know the utility nowadays is a different position than oh, it was yeah. then. Nowadays, it's, it's a key position. Yeah, you, you almost need to know more than the sound mixer, or at least on well, par. First of all, you have to do, you, exactly, you have to be able to do every job in the department yes, and do it well at a moment's notice without all that. But, yes. you know, gone are the days where, like, you ran a duplex cable and 
you know, sat on the follow and passed out a Comtech or two, ran cable, and then, you know, played and guitar on the camera truck getting stoned all day. That exactly. is not what a utility does anymore. Yeah. Um, and, and, and it's just invaluable because your utility, depending on how good they are, can get you fired or can get you rehired. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, and then I, I think that that whole culture of training that was abusive and horrifying got passed down. And, and thankfully, the guys who still practice that are mostly either retired or we all know about them. Yeah. But um, thankfully, uh, the millennials, the younger generation, are coming in and they're way less tolerant of that and way more aware. Well, I think we have a different mindset, aware. you know? Yeah. We're not... We're not necessarily tainted by the years of being on set and that yeah. negative energy that you're talking about we're more of like we have great ideas we may not be experienced filmmakers but we're filmmakers nonetheless yeah. and we have passion i mean don't get me wrong there's there no reason to ever really squash passion good people out there and, yeah. and i've been fortunate with the good but there are also some who just you know whether it's the hazing or whether they just never had you know respect and social skills to begin with yeah um they're out there. I think that's one of the biggest things. Yeah. I think that a lot of, you know, since sound is one of those neglected categories on set, you know, we're, we all know what I'm talking about. I'm just going to leave it at that. Uh, I think that sometimes that negative energy that's thrown on our department also gets channeled towards the lower yeah, and then workers. it just gets dumped on... Uh, Shit runs downhill, right? Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> the same. If you saying. dump on the boom, the boom dumps on the utility, and then, you know, the boom and the mixer stop talking to each other, so they both start dumping the utility, and you're just like, I'm out. <laughs> but then you can have the exact opposite yeah. of that, and instead of having a dictatorship, you can have a community in your department where you all watch the rehearsals together and you all make the decisions together and right. god well, isn't that I, a beautiful thing yeah i mean I, I don't know that i would always make all the decisions together because at the end of the day you are the with respect you absolutely the, you know and yes. ultimately like you know the the decisions are made differently based on different things you you know it, it depends yes but mm -hmm. um input input is nice but that's what if i mean you've got an experienced mixer who's done all the jobs and done it today i like you know, somebody who's like, oh, I utilityed in the 70s. Like, okay, you haven't utilityed. Mm -hmm. You haven't done the job because it's so completely different. Yeah, it is. Days. It's technically so different. So it, it, it's just because the t in time management and, and, and multitasking is huge for utility. Yeah. Um, oh, plus, yeah. <laughs> plus the ability to, to be a solid first boom mm -hmm. because you are. I mean, everything I utilityed on, I was... I was I was out there booming everything. So mm -hmm. along with the first boom up and as well as doing all the other. And not only work. that, like you said, time management, you're doing eight other things and you're not on and set prepping. practicing. Right. And pre I just have to be thing. able to drop in and know. Yeah. Like, hey, come in here in two seconds and just know what to do. And that's where that's where you really have to have a well-functioning department, um, which is the hard thing. And, you know, at, when I stepped down to 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 utility. And that had, there were so many reasons to do that. Not all, most of them were personal actually and had absolutely nothing to do with, with profession. It had okay. to do with my life and what was going on at the time outside of work. Okay. Um, <clears throat> but um, the key, you know, it, it, it sort of gave me a, uh, the ability to go. And then in all these different departments, I was always, anal it was always sort of grading and judging my, my mixer and boom and seeing, you know, nobody really knows. Yeah, that's you know, the biggest thing. You think thing. the guy's working and you're like, oh, <laughs> they know everything. They don't know everything. Yep. And uh, you learn what they don't know. I and mean, then the other thing that I that I, that I I did was I, I, <laughs> I graded my boom ops, man. I'm like, oh, would I hire you? And some of that is based on um, whether or not they could boom. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. uh, or how will they boom? And you learn, you, you get so good at, you know, when you boom next to somebody on the floor, yeah. like that's when you can really tell. Yeah. Mixer at the cart can't always tell no. because they just know what comes through there. Mm-hmm. They can't see like what's being worked out on set. Yeah. Uh, and, and depending upon if they ever come to set or how much attention, some half of them are on Facebook or dating sites or whatever in between. Pretty you know, much. they just like wake up to push yeah. the button and mix. I call them social media mixers. Not all of them, but there's 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 some that do. And mm-hmm. um, so you learn you learn who's really good. You learn the strengths and weaknesses they have. You also learn how they treat their utilities. Yep. And the ones who are good at their job and good to their utilities are the ones that I'm like, okay, I'll hire mm-hmm. you. Yep. And you also learn who can work with women and who can't. My favorite boom operator that I ever worked with was Kerry Whites. And I, I saw him yeah, watching. So shout out to Kerry. Man, I tell you that working with someone that knows his job, knows how to run a set, but is so kind, he's mm-hmm. able to help you. Like, Because I was a third and I'm doing all these other things and working with harder mixers at the time. So I'm and, flustered. And, and, and a boom op's got to protect the utility, man. It's got to protect part of your the utility. Job too. You don't throw your utility under the bus. No, you help you, them. You know that they're running around wiring 10 people. They've got mm-hmm. 22 Comtechs out. They're working out a video feed. The mixer's somewhere in, you know, mm-hmm. no, nowhere near set or whatever. Yep. And the boom op needs to find the spot, work all the shadows out for the utility. So when yes. they walk in at the last second, he's like, okay, you go here. You can be this, here and you can do this. Watch out for that. Yep. Watch out for that. Do this and that. And it yep. it doesn't matter that you both have been booming for, you know, however long. And it's, you both, just it's just helping. Like, it's just that you weren't able to be there. Yep for the lighting part because you had to do the other part of your yep. job it's and it's just a courtesy yeah it's literally what it is it's saying hey i don't want you to get boned because we are all one right one person and, and we are notice, the sound team you'll notice that the boom op you know you work with good boom ops and boom ops who are not team players and and good boom ops you know they don't bring out their utility as a second stick if there's not a good spot for them yeah exactly like literally they'll be like the, the bixer can be going like oh i want a second stick, and the boom op will be like no man there's not a good place for for them yeah they can't get it on the wire yeah you're going to cause you know? more problems on set having that third and then there the non- than non non-team players it's they'll set them up they'll mm-hmm. call them out because they want the second boom but there's no good spot for them they'll throw them in a bad spot and then they'll blame you for not yeah wondering it. why it's not good no they'll just say oh you weren't paying attention or you did it wrong and you know that that's not the case yeah but the mixer's going to believe the boom up yeah so you know there's just like you learn a lot about people and personalities and mm-hmm. yeah how, and how who's really it. listening and 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 it's really it's a team department it so is. When, and it's three people man so when that department doesn't work oh it's it's nobody a wants train to, wreck yeah and nobody yeah. you hate going into work so let, let's get through a couple. We're going to sure. go through a couple line fires on this one. Yeah, and yeah, guys, yeah. if you have any at home, let us know. We're we, gonna can, we can always do this again. Man. Absolutely. Well, of so course, we're going to have you back here. Uh, I wanted to ask you, do you think that actors and actresses should wire themselves? You know, there are... My, my first thing is going to be... No, of course we should wire them. But um, there's a reality to the job. And the reality of the job is that a lot of actors have had really bad wiring experiences with other sound people. And you walk into that and you don't know what their experiences have been. Mm -hmm. And um, you don't know what's going on in their life. And maybe they want to wire themselves. So bedside manner is huge. I've certainly been in situations where um, I've been told to send the wire off. And if it's my first time on this show, I'll be like, let me walk it over there and introduce myself. And I'll go to the trailer and with costumes, I'll be like, let's just walk it over. And we'll walk it over and I'll go, hi, so-and-so, the actor. Um, I'm the utility sound, we'd like to wire you. Um, you know, uh, I, I understand you want it set off, here it is. But if you if you don't mind and if you're open to it, uh, welcome me in. And sometimes I'll let them in just because I'm female. 
mm -hmm. because they have had a bad experience prior or whatever. There are other times where, um, no, you're not going to, I mean, I, I did a short film years ago called Zombie Prom with RuPaul mm -hmm. in drag. Yeah. We sent that wire off. Yeah. And Ru's like, nope, you're not wiring me. I, I've done the, I'll it's, take care of it. It's built in, yeah. you know, into the construction <laughs> of, of Charles becoming RuPaul. Yeah. And um, which is, it feels so strange because he was never Charles. He was, it was always Ru because Zoe's in drag. And, and mm -hmm. um, there's a zombie musical, La Grace. It was crazy. It was fun. Um, but um, there are times where, and especially if you've, you know, been working on a show and it's established. And look, if it's season seven and you're coming in and this is your first season and their seventh, don't start stupid fights. Yep. You know? <laughs> yeah, they, you don't they come know, in they being know, the new guy on the block. They know what works. They know what works. Yep. They've been doing it for seven seasons. They have a way. Um, if they don't want you to wire, you know, work really closely with the costumers because I swear to God, they are your best friends. Yes. Or they can get you fired. Yes. But So don't be a dick. Yep. Um, to anyone, to but anyone. especially to them. And, and them in camera. And it doesn't matter what the personality challenges are because there are tons of personalities on set. Um, at the end of the day, you know, the moment you lose your cool, it's so much harder to come back from that. Yeah. And it, at the end of the day, nothing is personal. I mean, it shouldn't be. Sometimes it is, but it's all about the job. Yep. So how can you work this? How do you take your personal life out of it Try and just do your professional job? Try to get your, your hands on the costumes job. as early as you can. Talk yep. to your costumers. You know, be like, hey, what are we doing here? What's this scene? What have we got? What are the materials? Can I get my hands on it? Can I see the day before so I can figure out how I'm going to wire it? And if they'll let you and not. And maybe you're walking into a situation where one and two on the, did this, where one and two wouldn't, didn't want to be, you know, just costumes were going to handle them. Okay, great. I'll work on that. I'm not going to just come in. Hi, I'm new. I'm going to wire you today. No. Yeah. That, that door's not even going to crack open. Yep. You know, you come in, you're like, okay, let's, let's, let me take over wiring everybody else because we can establish that. And then I'll work with one and two. I'll, I'll develop a relationship. I'll get them to, you know, trust me, we're still going to send it off. Maybe we'll tweak it on a, on a challenging costume. If it doesn't work, we'll come in and tweak it. And then plenty of times they'll be like, okay, can you run it underneath? The, and I tell them how they want to run it or underneath the Spanx. They'll be like, just come with it hanging out and then I'll place it. Yep. And and you just you just again this is part of adapting exactly this is part of adapting adaptability and, is big and working the situation so yes ideally we're always gonna but once you develop a relationship with your with your actors and your costumers and um, you know you have to do what you do and look if cost if if talent is a half a mile away at base camp and we've got three cameras and seven people talking on set I'm not going to send my utility to base camp to wire them thank you because Thank you. did you hear like, that everybody did i need you, you on set it's yes. like at that point did you hear that <laughs> i need you on set I, I i need a fourth person in my department who can only be at base camp you know how do you stay healthy on set um, this is a hard one i don't know that i do stay healthy on set. okay well then why don't you tell us what it's like being on set and um, and how you know what's it like well i mean there this is where being vegan works in my favor because i go to crafty and like there's Oh, there was a beep in my ear. Ignore that. Yeah, okay. that was me. So, and there'll be like, just like you go to craft stores and there'll just be like tables of stuff I can't eat because it's not vegan. So I'm like, and then you're like, okay, well, I can have a bag of potato chips. You're like, I don't really want that. Yeah, exactly. You know? Or you have some like mixed energy. nuts or some seaweed snacks or oranges or whatever. And then you're like, well, oh, I've had that for the past five days. And so you're like, you know, I always get breakfast and then I kind of pick at lunch or whatever and there's occasional snacking. So I end up not eating a yeah. whole lot, but, or you try to eat healthy because then catering is like, here's some steamed veggies for lunch and stuff and it's healthy, but you've had it for five days. Yeah, exactly. It's, which is Broccoli stalks for five days is tough. Yeah, no, 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 uh, no, uh, 
not 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 dumping on catering at all. It's just as we all know, even the best caterers when you're on a show for nine months, like the menu comes around a few times yeah. and you're like you get you get bored with you exactly. know exactly yep yep comes the, around the food could be lot. great but when you eat it regularly <laughs> gets a little old. depending on the budget they give them that can happen more often or less often so what do you bring to set then I to don't, eat I you don't bring I, any snacks nah, no I, i'm like a scoring the mix i have my my mixer drawer on my cart and it's like a little squirrel lives in it <laughs> you got cliff bars you got some bags of nuts good Trail yes, mixes or whatever. Yeah, I'm just like, you know, and then... Uh, Nibble foods. Yeah, yeah. And you're just like, oh, okay, something so that when I'm starving and there's nothing, it's like, oh, okay. And, you know, there's there's just, it's just calories to, like, get through. And then other than that, coffee. Like, yeah, <laughs> My coffee. utility nose is like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you had a lot of... That coffee better be piping yeah. hot, Thomas. No, or, or no, if it's hot out, I want it iced. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. fine. It's just black coffee, whatever. I just, you know, I need some of that or something and, and a water occasionally and, and you know... I don't, I don't know and then you're just you're sitting and you know as a utility I run a lot run around a lot so as a mixer it's like sometimes I'm just you yeah. know I'm not not quite like you know can seagull who yo-yos and stuff but uh, every now and then I'll be like I just need to I walk to set and I go and I'm like there's nothing wrong absolutely nothing wrong I just needed to walk yeah. <laughs> I can't stand or sit at my cart I'm just yeah. I'll say I'm going to craft you I'm getting a I'm getting this coffee for just myself doing a lap I just, I just need I yeah. just need to burn off burn a little. that energy just just you know leg movement you need like a hamster wheel to get in next to the cart or something you know yeah exactly what do you look for when crewing up a boom operator and a utility this is for all of the students right. that are coming up that are going to want to work with you and that i don't think a lot of people understand when they get out of school if you're an eng mixer you're not going to just jump in and start working as a sound mixer on a cart working on a television show or a movie you you might get lucky but it is not generally going to happen you are going to work as a boom operator or a sound utility to right. begin with right once you get in so what do these people need to know that think well uh, of course i'm qualified i went to school okay so i am gonna repeat something here that bill dooley told me do it um that needs to be said to a lot more people because um i spent two years going to school for recording engineering and what they teach you in school is that you're going to come out of school and sit in the chair and that's just not happening. No. What, they, what schools are for is to teach you the language we speak on set. If somebody said patch bay to you, you wouldn't have a clue what that means. You wouldn't know signal flow. You wouldn't know this. Okay, so we're going to teach you what that means. And when I finished the program, and I told Bill, he's like, oh, yeah, I'm done. He said, okay, good. That shows me that you can stick with something long enough to finish it. Mm -hmm. Now, if you stick around, we'll actually train you. And you'll, we'll teach you. Because there was no way you can sit in the chair. And I wish film schools did that. But mostly what they do is take your money. Um, a lot of them. And um, I frankly think you're probably better off just... Uh, <coughs> sorry, guys. Bless you. There's probably going to be a second one they come in twos. But um, it's a, it's, th there are pros and there are cons. Everybody, you know, they, again, they teach you how to grip. They teach you to set a light stand. They're not, you're not going to make you a master of lighting, but they're going to teach you this does that and basic coverage and all that sort the of thing. The basics. The basics. Basically, so you can walk on a set, and when somebody says, get me a C-stand and a sandbag, like, you know what that, you, and you know what department to go to to ask that, exactly. and who to ask. You're not going to walk up to the key grip and ask that. You're going to walk up to, you know. So, but it doesn't necessarily make you 
um, capable of heading a department right yeah. out of the gate. It just exactly. doesn't. You're not. There's there's a lot more you need to learn. This is like basics. It's like getting your days for contract services is the minimum to get in the union. It doesn't make you... I mean, if you've been doing it for 20 yeah. years and you finally join the union... You're not going to work on Wolverine 9 no, just because in, you got your union days. In most cases... <laughs> You know what I mean? Sorry, well, that's what I like to Wolverine say. Wolverine 9, you might. <laughs> Avatar 4. Well, yeah, maybe Wolverine, Wolverine 9. It's probably direct to video. <laughs> it could be a lifetime movie for all we know. Exactly. It'll be like a YouTube original next year. It's not even Union year. by that point. God. So, um, so you've gotten the education. Now you need to get the training. And they're two very different things. Right. So... Um, and you thing. only got this, the surface of there's, the education. There's so much. Because it always grows. The thing is, you're never out of school. That's the other thing Bill told me. He's like, you're never out of school. The moment you think you're out of school, you're done. done. Because technology is always changing. But not only is it technology, that's like almost the least of it, is that each job we do is so different. Nothing prepared me for Westworld other than Westworld. Yeah. You know? Because, okay... Uh, how are we going to do this? Yeah. I have a scene with a naked guy under a tree and a guy in a loincloth. Yeah. And we're in the coral pink sand dunes. And rooms with just huge glass walls oh, everywhere. Oh, yeah, no, well, that was the other thing. And, everywhere. And, and there's, like, wide shots because this is the view of this, and it has to be a wire. How are we going to do this? Yeah, exactly. Where are we going to do this? Where are we going to go? Where are we putting the microphones? Where are the how plants? Are where are, the are challenges? everything? And, again, this is where you, you work with your departments. And in that one, hair mics. And absolutely um, learn how to do a really good hair mic. And most sound people don't know how to do them. Go talk mm -hmm. to your hair department. Yeah because they know how to do it. Love and it. if Love they've it. done theater, if you've done theater, you know how to do a good one. Um, but nothing else works. Yep. You know, and, and where, you gotta, where, and you where, gotta delegate that time. Where does the mic go? The mic goes where we can put it and where it sounds the best. And yeah. sometimes where it sounds the best wins and sometimes where it goes wins. And at the end of the day, a mic on an actor is better than no mic on an actor. Right. So, you know, if you're like, you only have one spot, make it sound as good as you can. And yeah. if you're really good and think outside the box, you'll make that work. Mm -hmm. Exactly, um, because it's again you have to capture, protect, and preserve the performance, and you can't do that if you don't have a microphone on your actor. If you can't get the performance, you can't get that. Amazing. And you have no idea how talented your your post department can be. That you might think this is a lost cause. It might be enough that they could save it. At the very least, they might be able to, depending on the performance, because they will work. They will work. So I've got a lot of friends in post. I go visit them all the time, and I see how hard they work to capture a performance when it's, you know, one of those performances that's just gut-wrenching you know I went to go visit Sherry Klein um, on a film that she uh, on, a, on, a, on an episode she does and there's there's a not going to name anything here um, and there's a performance by the actor that was very emotional as you do we have those on all sets yeah and you're <coughs> like there's no way the actor's going to want to ADR that and we you know that applies to so many films everybody's got one you could hey shooting one today exactly where you're like Oh my God! The 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 talent was just in a car crash. His wife was shot. His child died. Whatever, and he's got to like pour out his guts. Right. We're not ADRing this. No. So you get it as good as you can, and you let Post know what you had to deal with it. Shoot your Riri a mic an, an email. Mm -hmm. Trust me, actor's not going to want to ADR it, and Post is going to know that, and they're going to work so hard to save that as the trash truck goes by, it's, guys. It's garbage day. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> So I tell you what, let's close off with this. If you had to say one final word to students, what would you say? I'll combine this because I never actually answered your last question. Oh, okay. Yeah, please. Um, try everything. Learn everything in, in your school that you can learn. Um, reach out to your professors um, because they're actually most likely working in our... I'm still friends with 
some of the people that, that trained me 20 years ago. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and now I go back and I speak at their events. Um, but check yourself, you know, be humble. Um, know what you know, have confidence in yourself if it's deserved. Always have a good attitude because uh, I don't really, to me, I, 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 I'm not probably going to be your first job. Um, I'll just own that. Um, I'm, I'll want you later on when you've got some time under the belt. But if I do get somebody who's um, completely green, then what I want from you is a good attitude. You are there to learn. Um, and you're not just there to learn from me. You're there to learn from the boom up and everybody else on set who has something to bring to the table. So have a good attitude. Be a team player. Work well with others. Practice the art of being a duck and let everything roll off your back because if you don't master that, you are going to have a very short career and you will, you will, it won't be good for you because you cannot personalize those things and it just it doesn't work. Um, be smart. Um, and that's not just like your Mensa score or whatever. It's like, but always be searching for how we could do things and ask questions because if you don't ask, you can't learn and we can't share our knowledge with you. Um, take direction well. Like if you come from reality, you probably, I would probably say you don't know how to boom. You know, you're probably used yeah. to the boom being fill for wires. That's and it. You may not, you know, you may just have it out there as reference. That's not booming to me. I, yeah. I want you in there on the edge of yeah. frame and boom is yeah, primary. Booming reality or documentary and booming narrative, no. they're boom, not even booming, the same. Not booming, even the same category. Booming to me, your primary, my wires are my backups and sometimes I never use them and they're just there for ISOs to keep post happy in case they need to go with them. But yep. to me, that's my primary. So uh, if, my, if, if we're training you and my, my, my lead boom ops tells you how to do something um, or gives you, gives you a point, that's, that's, that's he's on the floor or she's on the floor with you. Um, they're watching what you're doing. They're giving you that fill. Um, I wouldn't have hired them if they weren't good. Yeah. So I would have a very strong boom up who is also good at training a utility. And we're going to we're gonna take the time to invest in you. Take the note. Yeah. Because you're getting the option to be trained by us. Like, if somebody gives you that, don't. Yeah. Don't waste it because yeah. if if it's if it's if we see that you're no value, it we'll we'll get somebody else in. Yeah, and so, even if you don't agree yeah. with it, accept it for the day and do what is asked and of you. And you can ask questions and later, then, and then move on later. And when you go home, you can say, you know what, I don't ever want to do it that way, and that's your opinion. But you need to be able to work with the crews right. and, and, and the work thing their is, way. You know, we, and even if we ask you to do something strange and you're like, well, that didn't make sense. We might have reasons for asking that you might not be privy to. Yeah, you know? exactly. I mean, there might be other things that we're dealing with and we're just like, hey, do this for us and we'll, we'll deal with it later. Trust your mixer. Trust your boom op. Um, because if they're good to you, then the, that's, you know, that's the thing. And we all mentor. We love it. So, you know, it, we all, somebody had a hand in training all of us. Absolutely. We, we passed it down mm -hmm. in the craft. So, you know, uh, you get a little factions who was trained by who. So mm -hmm. if you come into our department and we're, we're training you, um, you know, that, that, that a lot of times ends into a very, you know, lengthy relationship. We could outlast, outlast a lot of marriages. Your work Absolutely. marriage outlasts <laughs> that, you know. Um, right. Yeah. And then the other really thing is like, you know, if somebody gives me some, make sure you want to be in my department. Like, don't come be in my department if you really want to be in camera. Mm -hmm. I, I need you there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, 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 I'm not going to, like, if you want to be in camera, go be in camera, man. You know, because I need somebody in my department who wants to do sound and is yeah. eager to learn and is part of that. You'll yeah. know if You'll you know. are passionate yeah. about sound. There's just something it does. Yeah. You, you just, know? you just, 
you know. And and the most important thing for people getting into the sound department in the beginning, outside of all of that, because listen, listen, like literally, when you have your headphones on, listen. Two uh, that's ears, the other thing. one mouth. I see, I see sometimes kids out there booming with one hand or whatever, and I'm like, oh my god, you're not holding the pole right. It's one hand. You're lazy. You're not even looking at what you're doing. Yeah. You got the when you're you're not even. You're not listening to what you're doing. Yeah. You have to hear when you put the mic in a certain place and when the actor's on axis and off axis, you need to be able to hear that. That's how you boom. You're like, oh, right. that's good. Okay, now let me follow that. And that's, that's your technique. Exactly. If you're not listening to what's coming through your headphones, you probably don't belong in the sound department. Mm -hmm. If you're too concerned with like what you're seeing on the set and you're watching and not listening, you should probably go into camera or one of the other ones. If you can focus on the listening and if that becomes your primary, then you belong in sound. That's it. Sarah, thank you so much for coming today Absolutely. and sharing your knowledge and your stories and everyone at home. Thank you so much for joining us for this Mantis discussion. Stay tuned. We have a special vault talk coming oh. up. I got a cool toy in the mail from a good friend. His name is Sander. If you guys haven't seen this, this is the Boom Hanger. It's a product that goes on your vest to help you hold your boom if you have to make quick adjustments. Like you were saying, mm -hmm. instead of putting it on your head or doing the one-hand hold, you can lean it on this, make your adjustments, and then pick up your pole again. So it is an ENG-type tool. We're going to review it on the next Vault Talk. Thank you so much for joining us. Sarah, thank you again. Thank you so much, Thomas. We'll Do it again. We'll see you on the next one. All right. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you get all the new ones and share this with somebody else who might want to get in on this information. We'll see you on the next one.